we're a legit operation over here. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. you guys got the nice mics. So yeah, yeah. we're thinking about even uh, upgrading, getting even nicer mics. Yeah, sound even know. better. I, this is uh, Christmas. We got one of the, the Yetis. Like, that's what like we need. Yeah. 120 at Target or something like that. Yeah, Way better what... than what's built in, but yeah, nowhere near what most folks have. <laughs> oh, you got yeah. it at Target? That's on brand. That is on brand, yeah. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Minnesota man. Yeah. Hey, man, you got to save 5% today and every day with your red card, and, and you yeah. can do that. That's true. <laughs> on the Yeti mic. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Target. Uh, promo code front and center for 30% off. 30 is big. 30, yeah. that's. I was making it up, so I figured I might as well not cheap out on the discount. One, Kevin <laughs> definitely up? blew out the mic there. No, actually, it didn't sound like it. But wow, I'll, I'll check in wow. post. Wow, I'm in a good mood today. Sun shining, life is good, and it's uh, another fresh day. Haircut. A fresh haircut. That's true. Nothing gives me more uh, enthusiasm, excitement, confidence than a good haircut, or just all haircut. It's one of the big sort of uh, confidence uh, tips I can give the people out there. If you're ever feeling really down or sad or bad, just go get a haircut. Everything is uh, sunshine. Uh, we have another illustrious guest. Wow. Two weeks in a row. He's illustrious, and he's an illustrator luminary. How about that for uh, some uh, vocabulary <laughs> here? I've known our guest for over 10 years, maybe. I, I, we're just trying to put the pieces together. The 2013, 10 years ago. Um, there's a few things that I know about him. One, he loves Jesus. Two, he loves his wife and his family. We just did our research. Four boys, Alan? Four boys. Four boys. That is a wow. lot of boys. He loves Minnesota. He loves America. He loves graphic design. He used to work at Target as a designer, uh, not as a cashier. He loves drawing. He got shot once. Um, that's that's just a fact. Uh, Kevin, have you ever been shot? I have not. No, you haven't. Uh, he loves biking, and he loves a badge, an icon, a small symbol. And he's the partner creative director of Peter's Design Company. He's got a new book out now in stores called Logos That Last. It's Alan Peters in the building. Actually, not in the building, in the virtual building. How are you, Alan? Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. Man, it's it's <laughs> it's good to talk to you again. Um, it's 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 been a while, and I'm, I'm I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, it has been a while, but I feel like we we run into each other every now and then, and it's always a delight. And it's uh, it's it's good to uh, you know, it's good to read your book and to to sort of uh, see you're still at it. You know, making logos, doing it, doing it, doing it big. So, first question: How many kids are we trying to hear, have here, Alan? Four boys here is uh, you know, it's it's really impressive. How, what is it like to be a father of four? So we had we had three boys, uh, okay, and and um, each kind of spaced out two or three years, and then. And then all of a sudden we just couldn't have one. We we tried and we were we we're we we're like, what in the world's going on here? And prayed about and all that kind of stuff. And uh six years later, six years, oh, okay. uh we we had we had uh Archer and he's our little miracle baby. Love him so much. And so there's a big gap. So I got a 13-year-old and then I have a two-year-old. Wow. And so <laughs> nice big broad range. And uh we homeschool him too. So uh like in the mornings, th- th- this morning. Uh, when the three older ones were were getting schooled up, uh, I, I took the toddler so that because toddlers, I mean, he, he like climbs on the kitchen counters and will like hit the hanging lights and they'll, like they'll, they'll swing forward and then <laughs> back, whack him in the head. He'll be crying. It, 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 toddler, two year old man, they, they go in everything. They they dig. They they're very curious and very sweet <laughs> and very much a handful. 
It's impressive that you get anything done having, you know, sort of all this running around your house. And do you do you just sort of have a room where you can kind of close the door and put on your giant neon sign and uh, do your work? Is that kind of how it works? Yes, yes. (laughs) I I, kind of have a a window of time where, you know, it's it's my my core time to to sit down and work. And I, I learned working at agencies because i worked in house i worked in agencies i worked at design firms but at agencies ad agencies holy cow working on pitches if you want to have a family and see them on the weekend (laughs) and not just be working on a pitch every 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 weekend you got to learn to be really efficient with your time and work super fast and hard and and just be able to focus and so i i learned that early in my career and um i've always i've been able to do that ever since where i can just really hunker down and get a lot of work done in a short period of time, especially if I'm not surrounded by people like a target where it'd be like, Hey, how was your weekend? You know, this and that. But now that I, I work on my own, I can, I can just crank through projects and, and not rush them, but um, nice. just really focus. Did you have a lot of uh, siblings growing up? I just had a sister. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is when, when Maria and I first got married she's like, well, I don't want to have kids. And I was like, that's fine. I'm like, I'm like, I'll tell you what, Maria, I'll have as many kids as you want to have or as few kids as you want to have. I'm fine either way. And uh, I, I, my my sister had kids and my wife was like, oh, this is nice. We should do this, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, then we had one. She's like, let's have another one. And then we just kept having them. And I, I think four is probably it, it's to the point where I, I think it's I, I, I think we're good. We got the minivan filled up. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to have to drive one of those giant bus things. Yeah. Oh, yeah you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to get a sprinter van. No. <laughs> get it all tricked out. <laughs> well, a tricked out one that costs $120,000. Now you're talking. Yeah. That'd be pretty sick. You can go to a local gym and uh, play basketball. Just you guys, you could just roll up as a, as, as a five, uh, a five pack and be like, Hey, anyone want to play us? No subs, you know, just kind of uh, jump in there. <laughs> we have fun, man. We'll go to yeah. like, um, we'll, we'll, We'll take tennis rackets and go play tennis, you know, two, two on each, obviously yeah. without the toddler, but uh, with three older boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, or we'll go play kickball or something like that. We can have somebody pitching, a couple people in the outfield, and one person kicking. We, we, we can have a good time, just us. <laughs> the four of us that's pretty convenient yeah you could almost have like a full baseball team you know you can cover sort of the outfield and the pitcher and it's a yeah batting practice sounds this sounds delightful now that i think about it to have a full squad of athletes or people to play sports with you know that's really what i'm looking for here it's it's fun it's fun having a lot of kids the the, the downside is that they all want to talk over the top of each other and so this one will be talking and and this person will disagree and they'll talk louder and then this person will talk even louder and somebody else will come in and talk louder. And so you'll be trying to have a meal and it it gets really loud in our house. And and they're not arguing. They're just screaming over the top of each other, trying to be heard because there's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> Special for you. you said you home, you're homeschooling uh, the kids, which yeah. is also uh, incredible that you are sort of you have this design studio and you're, you have all the, you know, you're homeschooling, you're teaching. How much design are we incorporating into this curriculum? Like, are we teaching them uh, vector kerning typography? Like my wife heads up the homeschooling. That, that's her thing. I mean, I come with on field trips and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, and, and I do a, I do a ton of reading out loud to the kids. And so there, there's that logos that last available now. That's what you read. Them I haven't, that? you know, I, I think they would, they would like that. I, I read a, a couple of paragraphs out of there and they, they were pretty excited. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll sit down and read it. I just don't want it to feel like an uh, ego trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but uh, they love, they love reading about like world war two and like all sorts cool. of battles and things like that are boys, you know, they're, they get stoked about that kind of stuff or like medieval stuff. Yeah. Um, I've read like, you know, like reading like the Hobbit or C.S. Lewis. 
stuff like that. It's always the best way to get um, kids not to be into the things that you're into by sort of, uh, you know, sort of trying to cram design down their throat. <laughs> so it's probably a good idea is that, you know, maybe if you don't uh, homeschool them to to be the world's greatest graphic designers that they'll actually maybe want to do it. And maybe, you know, the Peters Design Co. can, you know, you can uh, have your first employees. Do you do you work with other uh, designers or is it just all uh, a, a one man uh, sort of uh, shop over there? Yeah, I just do my own thing. I, that's, Love it. I, when, when I was at Target, I had an opportunity to be like a senior manager type of thing. And I thought I wanted that. And, and I had reached out to um, this lady, Ruth, uh, and uh, she, she was really high up and it would have been working for her. And I would have been like leading agencies and stuff like that. And she's like, Alan, you can have this job if you want this job, but you're not going to design anymore. And you, you love designing more than anybody in this whole place. And you're not going to be happy. So I just, <laughs> she's like, if you want it, you can have it. But I, I really don't think you're going to like it. And, and I, I took that to heart at first. I was like, kind of like a, a little disappointed, but then I'm like, you know, she's, she's absolutely right. I just want to, I just like making stuff. And, and, there, there's a point in uh, designers' careers that, you know, a lot of the people I went to school with now are all uh, creative directors and ECDs are running their own agencies and stuff like that. And they're not really hands-on anymore. And they're they're leading the work and they're overseeing it and they're they're having the great vision and all that. But man, I just, when, when I went to high school, uh, even when I was younger than that, when I was, when I was like five years old, I just love drawing. I just, I just wanted to draw my whole life. And, and when you'd fill out those uh, tests where you find out what you're going to be when you grow up, it, when you're like in fifth grade or whatever, fourth grade, it was probably high school. It was probably like freshman year. I remember filling it out completely just like, I, I don't care what it tells me as long as it has something to do with uh, being an artist. I like, I just want to make stuff because I, I don't like any of the rest of the, these options. <laughs> 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 and yeah. and so I, I just like drawing for a living. I like I like making stuff. Although I I gotta say, dude, this guy, Paul Rand here. I, I remember reading this back in the day, and he would show up before everybody got there at his agency, and he would go and sketch out what every person was gonna do for the day. He would have like do a little thumbnail sketch write out all the notes. Here's what I want it to look like. Here's the reference. And he would go around every single desk. And I thought that was, no when I read that, I was like, damn, this guy's a yeah. badass. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be pretty cool. But at the same time, um, I, I, I like making it, man. I, I like getting my hands dirty. Um, like my book, I, they offered me to have like an art director, somebody lay it out and I just write it. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, no. I'm designing this whole thing tip to tail. I want to do it all. I think so. that shows too. like, again, from the first time I met you to today, like, I think your, your, your enthusiasm and your passion for the craft of it all is just like the thing that I think shines through. And yeah. it's been really cool also watching you on Instagram. So if you don't follow Alan Peters, check out his Instagram. He is a, you know, a social media superstar. I will say that, you know, a designer to designers to the stars. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, you making stuff for the love of making it. And I think that is, you know, I guess like talk to about that like process of kind of just putting your work on, on, on Instagram and sort of just showing people like the, the, the actual path and like the yeah. way in which you do the work. Cause I think in, in your book, that is a big part of it. It's not just like the Alan Peters portfolio book. It is a book on like, 
hey, this is my process. This is how I get from concept to reality. And this is, you know, this is, it's here for you to, to learn and to take it and run with it yourself. So my philosophy is I, I do not like doing RFPs. I've done that for years working at agencies and stuff like that, you know, trying to get those clients, filling out the RFPs, can't ever show the work. Um, you just like working weekends on it. They usually want a quick turn. There's not enough time to do the the highest quality work that I want to get done for these clients. And so what I've done instead, and I started doing this back when I worked at other places, is I just started making the kind of stuff I wanted to do. In this book, I have these like bike gang posters that I did for this art crank show, right? And they have it's a grid of 12 badges with a big overprint of another badge over the top of it. And the reason I did that, the, that poster is because I, I was working at BBDO at the time. Uh, and I, I had done a campaign where I got to do a few badges and people were like, this is awesome. And it was winning awards. And I was like, I, I like this too. And I want to do more of this. And they always say, fill your portfolio with the type of work you want to do. And so I made this poster that had 13 badges on it. And then I got started getting calls. I got calls from, from Nike and Patagonia to make badges for them. And hey, you, you make the work that you want to do and you put it out there and share it. You know, it's that's that's way better than an RFP. So I, I do a lot of free work. I I I put things out there, um, just like I, I pitch ideas or like, what if we did this or what if we did that? Or uh, if I'm working on a personal project, I love sharing like. And I get to a point where I'm like, I don't know, I could go, you know, one of these four directions. I'll share it with my followers on the process and say, hey, what do you guys think? Get a free focus group out of it. And I can still decide what I want to decide. But I love including the people in the process. You know, they always like that. And 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 uh, people like being heard. And plus, it just helps with engagement and all that kind of stuff. But I, I try to be really transparent. Just get as much stuff out there as possible. Try and post every single day. And... Uh, by Hard doing do. all that, I, I don't have to do the RFPs. All my work comes in. They call me up. Hey, Alan, I saw your work. I love what you do. I want the same thing for my company. That's what every single one wants to do. I don't have to like guess on whoa, whoa, what's it going to look like? What's the style? <laughs> like, no, they, they want, I'm, I'm a style house. You know, people know me for a certain style and they, they come to me cause they, they know my process. They've seen it online. They know, you know, the general vibe of the work I'm going to create for them. And they're usually stoked when I make it for them. And so it's it's like a win-win all the way around. Living the yeah. dream. Heck yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of lessons in there. And I think, you know, we've talked about this on the show. And I think we've met with people over the, you know, you know, over the year or two that we've been doing the show that have con- you know continued to reinforce this idea that I also talk about, which is like if you just wait for other people to brief you in or pay for you to do work that you, you know, hoping of doing, it's like you're you're not gonna get there quick you're gonna it's it's gonna be tough and so you got to get out there and just you know do it for the love and maybe work for free a couple times or maybe just do something because you're passionate about it and in turn it will lead to work that you love that uh you'll get paid for and it's like it's 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 just time and time again i hear these stories of people that are like yeah i did this thing and it was just because i wanted to do it and then all of a sudden i got hired by nike and they wanted me to do something like that for you know for them and it's like that's how this happens and i think that's a really good important lesson for young designers out there that maybe are afraid of doing that kind of work or hear like work for free and they're like no way never in a million years it's like no we've all done it and that's how we get to uh this uh, you know sort of a wonderful place that we're in right now let me give you a, a quick example just like from yeah. recent history let's do it so minnesota where i live uh yep. they're doing a competition 
to design the state flag because our state flag is is offensive. It has like a Native American running away from a, a white farmer that has a shotgun leaning against a stump by him. It, it's like the worst. It's the worst state flag you'll ever see. And so, uh, thank goodness they're they're like gonna, they're going to redo this thing. But um, there's there's zero budget. It's a contest thing where you're like if you're like why would you do that? And and I and I started pitching ideas and sharing them and sharing work in progress. And and I did for two two weeks straight. I just I, I shared everything I worked on. I put it all out there on LinkedIn and on Instagram, and people loved it. They got engaged. The work got better because I was getting awesome feedback, and came up with some really good, really strategic options and submitted them. And I had multiple people say, "Alan, why are you doing this for free? Why are you supporting this? Don't you know AIGA is against free work? What's wrong with you? Why would you do that?" And I'm telling you right now, number one, I love doing a free project if it's for my community and it's going to, it's, especially if it's replacing that horrible flag, man, I'll do that for free. Like, let's get that, let's get that thing out of there. I don't want any, any sort of racist flag flying for my state. That's awful. Number yeah. two, if I designed the state flag for Minnesota, I would put that on my gravestone. It would say, Alan, <laughs> you're designer of the Minnesota state flag. And yeah, like, yeah. with me yeah. with like two thumbs up, just being so happy. Yeah, you wear it around <laughs> your back like you're Conor McGregor, you know? Yeah. And then the then the best part is I, I probably received five or six new business inquiries that weren't like the, oh, can you do this for 50 bucks? Like legitimate big projects that came in because they saw that, they saw the process and they're like, cool. I want to work with this guy. Could you brand all my auto dealerships or whatever, you know, um, you know, to work on a big project from Walmart or they, a lot of cool things, man, that, that, that came in because I was designing flags for free. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I've taken a look through those flags and, uh, yes. I think your flag is amazing. However, I don't know uh, if, um, I don't know if you're going to be able to compete with some of those ones that are made in Microsoft paint. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin was showing me this yesterday. He said, I think Alan's got this contest. You know, I think you uh, <laughs> you brought a level of professionalism that I don't think the uh, the rest of the competition is. Ready yeah, to I mean, these eat. contests are great because like there's somebody just like submitted a photo of their dog. Like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to hope that the Internet doesn't get a hold of this contest and sort of root for something ironically, you know, because yeah, that, yeah. That, that would be your only potential downfall here. The best part is that the they have a, a group of people that are going to narrow it down to five. Oh, well, that's and that group guy. is run by Luis Fitch, and he is a AIGA fellow mm-hmm. with phenomenal work. He's designed uh, postage stamps for the U.S. Postal Service. He's a Hispanic leader of design in, in the Twin Cities. Just in- incredible, incredible. I love his use of color. Good taste, loves minimalism. Um, so... If he's if he's leading the charge, which he is, um, I, I know they'll pick five great ones. But then it does go out. Those five will will go out there and and oh, uh, for an know. internet vote. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a vote, but everybody can comment on it then, yeah. and then that will influence oh, the final. Well, you did well, a great flag. We uh, yeah, we love to good. see it over here. Yeah, we're pulling for you. Yeah. yeah, and we'll put the weight of our podcast behind this. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah, you, you you'll win this thing easy. Unless one um, of those Microsoft Paint options. Uh, oh triples, yeah, sorry. Triples yeah, through to the, uh, yeah, the, to, yeah. the, to one of those five. Yeah, then we'll we have no choice. Yeah, then then <laughs> our our community will most likely vote for the ironic one that looks terrible. Yeah. But um, Alan, no, that's <laughs> it's. I get it. I, I could talk about it for 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 days in terms of like yeah, it's like do the work that you would do for free to get the work you would want to do for free and people will pay for it. So boom, that's the fucking life hack right there. 
Uh, I want to talk about Target for a second because I remember back to 2012, uh, mm-hmm. roughly. And as you mentioned, I was working at Coke. You were working at Target. And, you know, I was an in-house designer. And at the time, it wasn't the sexiest thing in the world. And I think people were, you know, just starting to work in-house as designers and design was changing. And I remember I discovered, you know, your work. And I was just like, holy shit, this guy is killing it. Like, I remember on your website, you were like in mid-photo shoot on like your about page. I don't know why I have this in my head, but like you were like, you were like on the floor, like measuring something or something. And I was just like, this guy's a badass. And like, there were a handful of campaigns that you really like took the target bullseye which Mm. is such an iconic mark and you were doing it and reinventing it in such bold and modern ways and i was just i i referenced it all the time as sort of like this is a way in which the legacy brand uh that can can sort of find new ways to reinvent itself and so Mm. i just you know uh less of a question but like how how did you wind up at Target? And like, why is Target's branding and, and brand so important to you, especially as someone from Minneapolis? So growing up in Minneapolis, especially as a young designer, you kind of try and figure out like, who's doing the best work, you know, locally, where can I get a job? Who should I work with? And um, they used to spread out the Target work to a lot of the, um, the better agencies in town. So even the little shops, the like uh, Wink, or uh, there was a shop called uh, Catalyst, and they, they'd all get a couple of Target projects each year, you know, and and it was so that was always nice to see those. But then there was one agency in town called PMH, uh, Peterson Miller Hooks, and they would do it. So when when Target first did like the cool commercials, like with Spot the Dog and the pattern bullseyes and stuff like that, back in like I want to say mid nineties, late nineties, something like that. There's one spot called uh, sign of the times. That was like the first big one. And it was so different and so badass. Um, and it wasn't advertising a single product. It was advertising the logo. Like that was it. And I remember seeing that stuff and it was all, you know, it was featured in CA and like got like tons of awards, probably, you know, one show pencils and all the, like you guys have on your walls, you know, they were, they were like the Alex, center um uh, center brooklyn of their of their time <laughs> you know what I'm you don't saying? need to pepper us uh pepper us with compliments but keep them coming yeah of course like i, I looked at all that work and it, you know, i think a lot of creatives wanted to work for pmh because they were doing the core branded stuff and then at in like the in-house team for target um early on back then a lot of the stuff that they were doing is where they were taking the um the work that the agency would do and then you know, converting it to in-store and like trying to flush it out, you know, stuff like that. The in-house team was, there was some creative, but I think a lot of it was, was production level stuff or they're, they're, you know, taking things and executing on uh, what the, what PMH was doing as, as kind of the North star. Right. And so I always thought that was pretty cool. I, you know, I heard stories about people who worked at PMH and they did like crazy hours and like sleeping underneath the desks and all kinds of stuff like that, because that's what we do here at center. <laughs> very similar <laughs> they're just they're putting in the work you know yeah. and um anyhow uh back uh when, when i was at bbdo you know i, I was you know i had worked a bunch of small shops and then bbdo was a big ad agency i got an opportunity to work at target and um and it, it was it was one of these things where i was like i don't know you know like that it put the in-house team like they say they're kind of starting to do a little bit more in-house you know is this going to be cool am i going to end up just doing production work or what but i know the hours will be cool working in-house and you know i made the jump and went for it especially because it made sense for my family but then when i got there i saw they were getting 
all the good stuff. They were bringing so much agency work in-house. Like I showed up at the perfect time and I was, I had been working on like a Hormel foods and stuff like that, a BBDO and like spam advertising and Genio Turkey. And so all of a sudden I was like, I got to work on a badass brand like Target. And I was just like, yeah, boy, let's go. That's <laughs> so excited, you know? And, and I wanted, I like, I, I just was like, I'll take on as much work, as much of this awesome work as possible. I, and I wasn't even assigned to work on the core branding. And I saw the guys working on it and I'd gone in and looked on, I was like, just checking out the work on the walls, like with, with giant eyes, like, oh man, I was, I was like, can I, I asked the creative director, can I please work on this project with you guys? You know, like, I know you guys are like halfway through it, but can I just throw down, dude, I, I will just, I was used to working at agencies. I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll catch up. And <laughs> I, I threw down a bunch of ideas. And do you remember the campaign that had the big bullseyes with the, the little people on it? Yeah, of course, with the flag and the kite and the balloon and the the watering can, all of it, dude. So, I I, I designed that in like the first month I was at Target, and wow. uh, we we had done all these different things, and uh, my creative director, uh, like our group, I don't know, ACD or something like that. I had yeah. shown them to, to to my ACD, and they were like, I don't know about that. That's kind of weird with the little people on the bulls. I had maybe show it without the people on it. And so I presented <laughs> all these other ones and I had just like these crop bullseyes. And it was right around the time I think Coke had just done those really cool cans with the big crop Coke. And I was like, I was like, that's kind of cool, like what Coke's doing, you know? And a big moment like, for big oversized crop logos. Right. The, like, yeah, 2010s. And uh the the bigger, like the more ECD type level dude. Uh, when he was reviewing everything, he's like, I really like this, but I feel like it's just missing something. It's missing the human touch. You know, I feel like it has to have <laughs> that style. It has to have the, the people. And I'm like, I'm like, wait here. I got it. And I went and grabbed my printouts that, that I, were in my recycling bin in my office. And I ran back and I pinned them on the wall. I'm like, how about this? And he's like, yes, like <laughs> that. We're presenting that one. So like of the five or six directions I got presented, because they were all bunch of designers on it they presented that one that was like mine and uh the even higher up group super creative director there are so many layers at target <laughs> um they they picked that one and i got to go to new york for the first time and shoot it with like amazing amazing photographers with huge budgets like ridiculous it was, it was like it was like a, a fairy tale man it was insane and uh yeah, just, what an experience. Yeah, it, it, was, it was cool working at Target and uh, to work on all that core branding. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love the story. To say. I could keep no, talking. No, about no, it. I, I love it. And again, it's a, just another sort of story in which you weren't really necessarily let into the party or invited to be like, hey, Alan, here's your brief. Here's a, you know, we want to see five designs for Target posters by Friday. You know, it's like just you, like, you know, sort of wanting to be part of the making and just saying, yeah. like, let me add it, let me add it and let me put my, you know, stuff in the ring. And I think that mentality, again, is something that, like, I always try to preach. It's just like, it's so important because, again, that one project unlocks, you know, sort of a, a huge career at Target yeah. and ultimately, like, you know, gives you sort of opportunities to go to photo shoots or try to be a part of bigger branding projects and then yeah. you know do the next one where the bullseye is uh, in the center of the campaign and that to me that that probably is my favorite one where the bullseye is a balloon or a trumpet or a boombox like that 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 uh 2015 target campaign just like i still reference it sometimes like i just think it's so iconic and simple and bold and 
it's just it's brilliant and so i think also for me as a designer at that time i was like oh man this dude's fucking killing it in house like making a name for himself he's got this uh you know like amazing work and he's promoting himself as part yeah. of the you know the the target you know team and so i was really inspired by that truly and i think i was like oh i'm an in-house designer and I have similar opportunities for Powerade or for Nestle or, you know, yeah. sort of like other brands that maybe, you know, I wasn't maybe uh, in the in the way, you know, in, in the room for. Uh, yeah. And I kind of made that kind of happen for myself. And similarly, good things happen. So I just think, you know, it's so, so, so important. And and so thank you for for sort of opening that door for for me. And, you know, again, also like AIGA, as you mentioned, like in-house, you and I both have done a lot of sort of speaking and sort of just uh, trying to help uh, change the perception of in-house. And I think that's yeah. also really important because it's a great place to work, right? Like, you know, in terms of the life-work balance and also just like working for Coke or Target, these are iconic, incredible brands. I love the work in Target and I had a hard time leaving. Um, I, I wanted to ask about that because again, similarly, you and I have left and sort of these big jobs, like, and I talk about my experience being nervous and scared and afraid of losing everything. It's like, how did you have the courage to leave and start your own thing? And like, talk to me just about sort of, you know, that time in your life and, and making that decision. So back in, uh, to, you know, 2015 there, uh, I actually it was, it was probably closer to when we first started talking like 2013 or something like that. I got a laptop. And I, we had moved out to Egan, where I live now, which is a suburb of uh, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And so all of a sudden, I had a 45-minute uh, commute on my bus both ways. Because instead of driving, I didn't want to sit in traffic. I'm like, I'll just do something instead and ride the bus. You know, it's better for the environment. And plus, you know, I, I can get something done. And so instead of just like watching movies on my phone, which I did sometimes, don't get me wrong. But uh, I, I, I started taking on all sorts of freelance projects and passion projects like that, the the Vikings poster thing I did with all the badges. I did that on the bus, you know, I did that to and from work. I was like the weird guy in those long benches in the front of the bus <laughs> with my Pantone book all spread out, my laptop on my lap, sketchbook on the right, taking up like half the, half the bus to myself. And people thought I was so weird, but I had 45 minutes, man, both ways. It's an hour and a half a day. And uh, after two years of doing that, doing these freelance projects on the bus for ESPN and, and Nike and stuff like that, uh, my wife, uh, she she had done her taxes. That, and and she, she said, Alan, do you realize you made more money on the bus this year than you made at Target? <laughs> and so a lot of people, like, we dreamed of having an agency way back when I was an intern at, uh, at my first job out of school and Maria was still in college and she, she'd come and hang out with me. And we, we talked about all the things we dreamed of, you know, having a family, having kids, all these things like that. Um, I'd read Paul Rand's book and I was like, I was like, what about if I had a book with my name on it? Like how cool would that be? And running our own agency. And, um, and like you guys said, you were nervous and scared to jump into it. For me, I, I took the long, long route and like, I worked towards it for like 15 years. I was doing freelance projects all through my career, building up, building up clients, building up a reputation, building up the internet, you know, you know, the the social following and stuff like that until I basically was running a full-time uh, agency while working at another place. <laughs> and then I just transitioned, you know, and I was able to like pour myself more into the agency. And, and honestly, I, I work, uh, a lot of times I take Fridays off and, uh, uh, I, almost every Friday and it's four nice. day work weeks. And I'm just, I'm Hank, I get a lot of time with my kids 
and I, I take on as many projects as feel you know comfortable. And I made way more money than I ever made at any of the other places because there's there's nobody to to, to take a cut of it, right? You know, nice. beautiful thing. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. It all it all came to fruition, and and finally got to have agency, which which we have now, my wife and I. And um, just recently got to write <laughs> this book, which yeah does have Alan Peters on it. And, you know, it's really cool. Uh, it is the best selling logo book in the world and has been for the last two weeks straight selling oh, better man. than all the other ones it has after one one week after one week out it has uh 55 star reviews on amazon and and this is the best part before it even launched it sold uh, over 5000 copies and Whoa. it's going to a sec- second printing before the launch day which is wow great. alan congrats man honestly it's it's massive that's awesome and- you know, it's funny. I, I never really um, uh, thought of you as a salesman before, but now that I'm seeing it, I think you're, you know, the, 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 I love logos, uh, you know, sort of uh, craftsman, you know, you, you, you're, you know, that's just a facade for the salesman, the guy that's, uh, you know, got a book in store and uh, <laughs> hey, I hey. Even have a, a, a second life as an infomercial guy. As, Alan, this is a real, uh, I'm seeing another side <laughs> of you that I really like. I think this is wonderful. Oh, shoot. Uh, you know, I, I have, I do have like a big chunk in here where I talk about, you know, selling work to clients because to make a good mark, you guys know it or to sell like something like those United sodas behind you, you you can show it to them, but you still got to sell that through. You know, there's so much good work that gets killed when it's just on the wall and, and, you know, they don't pick, they don't pick the best direction or whatever. And if you can't guide your client and sell, sell the good work, you know, you're never going to make the good work. So yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to ask, do you ever take the bus again to get the creative juices flowing, you know, because of so much of your uh, sort of early days were spent working on a bus, you ever just like get in a rut and you're like, okay, I got to get on that bus and start uh, break, you know, breaking out the Pantone chips. Does that ever, uh, ever cross your mind? I thought I've thought of just nostalgically doing it. Cause I like, <laughs> it just like to go downtown and, and go see, like, like visit a bunch of friends down there. And I have gone down there, but I did drive. Uh, but I, th- I think it would be kind of fun just to take the express bu- bus, stay down there ho- the whole day, go just like visit a bunch of buddies I know at all the different agencies and stuff like that. Maybe hang out at a coffee shop, you know, meet up, you know, schedule a bunch, bunch of stuff. I-, I think that would be a lovely day. Something yeah. like I always day. end up, I-, I got four kids, man, and I got yeah. a family and I... yeah. I'm just hanging out with them, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got to escape the house sometimes, you know? So yeah. talking about the book, sorry uh, to, to derail us there. Let's get back to the book. Logos at last, in stores now, number one bestseller everywhere uh, you find books. Um, what's it like to write a book? And you mentioned sort of at the very beginning, you were sort of like, it's a dream to have that sort of book. Um, my computer, not a joke, is 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 uh, propped up on the table on Vignelli and Polosher. So, um, you know, I have a, a number of books in the studio across on the other side of the this uh, sort of uh, uh, shelving unit and uh, also propping on my computer, like dream come true, obviously talk about the process, like over, like how long did it take to sort of put this thing together and sort Mm -hmm. of, uh, do you always have a vision for sort of a book about logo making? Is that sort of a fair to say? I will, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Just first, I got to say my, my, my monitor is propped up on, I I have a a double (laughs) book set of Joseph Elber's interaction of color. I don't know if you know yeah. Joseph Albers. He did like the of really course. cool color studies with the squares. I, I, I love yeah. Joseph Albers so much. But yes, you know, I never get to look at Joseph Albers because he's underneath my computer. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, another good lesson. Prop your computer up on Legends. 
Oh yeah. Well, well you yeah. want to, you want to be able to see it. Right. Exactly. So, um, I originally um, have always wanted to write a book, a, a logo book, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to write. And so I started uh, doing some research and knowing that I did want to write one at some point. And I, I, I've read, uh, by doing research, you know, just going and reading through a lot of these and seeing what, seeing what, uh, I, I don't know, like the Saul Bass book or, or, or Paul Rand by Stephen Heller or Michael Beirut's how-to book, Um you know, it, the Draplin's book, yeah, all of them, you know, like they all have different styles, you know, some are more about typography, some are more case study based, some are the portfolio show where it kind of tells their life through their work. And they're all a l- little bit different. And, um, or, or like uh, George Boca, I, I don't know if you know him, but like his is very much like uh, intro to graphic design and, and brand identity uh, logo design. And, and so, th- and his is very much like a textbook. And so, there's there's a huge collection of them and and I I, I kind of like I could have written a lot of different books a lot of different styles I've got a lot of different ideas and um uh but no, I I didn't have a publisher and I wasn't gonna sit and do a Kickstarter like I I legitimately I wanted good distribution and stuff like that sure. and so people kept asking me for years they're like hey do you have a logo book do you have something that talks about your process i want to know what you know do you have a kickstarter or not a kickstarter like a skillshare or a, you know youtube videos that talk through it and i i've always wanted i've got asked to teach a bunch at different colleges and i always thought that you know i would really like to do the book as a way to teach you know to, to give back and share what i know with other folks and what i've learned because when i first started in design uh you know I, I wasn't great. You know, I, I sucked it like right out of school and it took me a long time to, to get decent. You know, I, I didn't start winning awards or anything like that. Till I was at least like six years out of, out of college and took a bit. And when I was, when I was young, I would sit at the agency until like, you know, one in the morning sometimes, not because I had to, because I just wanted to work on my craft and get good. And, and I, I knew my work wasn't at that level yet. And I wanted it to be. And so I would work kind of towards this goal of, you know, having like after reading Paul Rand's book, I'm like, what, what stores now Paul Rand. (laughs) I I just put these two books on my desk because I'm like, I know I'm going to reference this one. Um, uh, And so this is by Stephen Heller, who he's written so many books. I think uh, Debbie Millman's had had him on a a billion times. Legend. Uh, So after reading this, I, I remember thinking like, what a, a, an accomplishment, uh, what a legacy he left. And uh, gosh, I'd love to do that. But to do that, you got to be able to fill this big book with with work. You have to mm-hmm. have something to share. And you can't do that like right away. And you have to kind of work toward that. And so I was kind of at this point now where I, after, you know, over 20 years in the in the field that Hey, you know, maybe it's time for this. And and after keeping these requests over and over again, Maria's like, Alan, just put it out there. Let people know. <laughs> Let people know that you want to write a book. And if you put it out in the universe, you know, you have a lot of followers. <laughs> maybe somebody will see it. And I I made one video, and it was wow. IGTV back when that was a thing, and it was yeah. twenty minutes long. Who's gonna sit on Instagram for twenty minutes and watch a video? And not flip to the next thing. Like, who has an attention span like that? I don't. I could, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like 30 seconds and I'm swiping to the next one. I'm, I'm <laughs> I got the ADHD yeah. a little bit. And, uh, and so my publisher, Jonathan, 
he did watch this video where I, where I reviewed a couple design books. And at that way end, I said that I do, was doing it for research to, to write my own book. And he sent me an email like months, probably two, three months after I posted the video. And he's like, hey, I just watched this IGTV video, <laughs> IGTV video you posted. And I, you, I see you want to write a book. Like, let's let's do it. Let's make your dream a reality. And uh, so that that was the beginning of it. And then at that point, you know, he talks to a lot of people. He's like uh, the like a senior. Uh, what is it like? Uh, it's not recruitment, but generally like recruiting authors and pe- people to write books. And he has to vet them first, make sure that they like they can make it to the finish. Because there's a lot of people that I'm sure he works with that only get like halfway through a project and they just flake out because they they have so much other work. They're running agencies and stuff like that, you know. Um. Uh, but like the first thing you have to do is you have to write like a, a full on pitch deck. That's like a, an elevator pitch. Why there's room in the market, like why this book should exist with all the other logo books out there, all the other design books out there. Why the heck is anybody going to want to buy it? Who's the target audience? Why? Why do they care whatsoever? You know, how can I help promote it? Do I have a following? You know, how many people am I able to reach? And like I, I had to have it's all listed on bullets, something that you go through and like three minutes and you'd get done with it and be like, no brainer, let's make a book. And they had to sell it all the way up. And so got approved, got to make the book. And my my hook uh for this book, again, because I, I talked about a lot of different stuff. It isn't, it isn't the portfolio show. It isn't like, hey, the Alan Alan Peter story start to finish ego trip. It's called Logos That Last. And it's about <laughs> uh creating timeless brand marks. How do you like uh when you think of the Eames lounger you know, how beautiful and timeless that is. Ray and Charles Eames got that right. And they just nailed it. And they it's they were standing on the shoulder of giants. They they were looking at what came before them. And they, they took the best of the best. And they applied a little bit of innovation. And they made something that is still used all the time in, in beautiful studios and beautiful spaces. And how do you do that for logos? Like, why is the CBSI still around? You know, it's it's simple. It's unique and it's memorable. You know, it's it's these three key things, the perfect balance. And you can't make that thing any more simple. That is such a beautiful mark. And target bullseye, same thing. That's a dot and a ring, right? Like, how are you going to make that simpler? Like, how, who's going to refine that? What are you going to make the, you know, like, hey, it's just a dot now. Remove the ring. Yeah, all, all of a sudden it loses <laughs> it loses the, um, the memorability because I think every mark should have a good story. You know, in the same way, like when you meet somebody, for the first time, and uh, you try and come up with a story to remember their name. Or if you meet two people and one person's name is Alex and the other person's name is Hawk, you're going to later on remember Hawk's name because there's a story to it. And there's a lot of Alex's out there, right? Wow. I like, I remember pretty Alex good. Center. Pretty good, yeah. Because yeah. Alex Center is like freaking famous. Oh. And like the definition of awesome. But awesome if my name was Hawk, the Hawk Center, now that's a name, you know, that would yeah. be Hawk Center. <laughs> name change incoming. Yeah, yeah. Hold Imagine on. how many awards would be on that wall. <laughs> if, if my name was, was Hawk. Hawk yeah, Center. Know, he's, you know, he's the greatest uh, branding uh, guru that ever existed, you know, Hawk Center. No. Um, <laughs> well, congrats, man. It's, it's beautiful. As I mentioned, Kevin read it cover to cover. I noticed just 
there were a lot of logos in here um and that's uh you know but it's it is it, i i have um i'm kidding i have a, a sort of look through it as 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 you sent it to me last week thank you so much and it's it's awesome yeah. and i i appreciate like you said like the sort of telling of the stories and then not just making it an ego show and not just saying like look how great i am you know be inspired by my greatness but really trying to teach people and help them and uh yeah kind of uh, giving up the tips too you know giving up yeah. the you know the process so that you know, you're not just hiding it so that it's a uh, only only you can do it. Everyone can do it. Uh, they just have to be, uh, you know, they just got to ride the bus for years and uh, hone their craft and then they can make logos uh, as, as as incredibly as Alan does. And there are some really amazing ones in here, I guess. My uh, before I tell you which ones of, are my favorite, which ones are your favorite? Like what what of of all the logos in this book? And, you know, do you have a do you have a, a favorite or have a, a oh, couple yeah. that you really uh, stand out for you? The pizza. See that one, that firecraft, that is for a, a small uh pizza truck. Like a like the, the, the it's actually a trailer where they do wood fired pizzas in yep. South Dakota of all places. Wow. Uh I was uh lucky back during, them back back during COVID. Um uh Draplin was doing like these Instagram lives every Friday, and there'd be a ton of people in there. And I, I remember one night I was I was folding laundry. And I, I, had, I had the phone out and I just had his, has, had his live going. And I just like hit the wave button or something like that, you know. And uh, Lee uh, tells Draplin, she's like, oh, Alan's on. Alan's on. I know you want to talk to him. And he's like, he's like, Alan, Alan, come on right now. And so, you know, you could like invite people on. So I go on. I, I held up. Um, I had like the, the Draplin design book. And I was like, oh, I, like, I went and got it. I was like, oh, I was just reading. What's up? <laughs> no he goes listen man i want to tell you a story and he goes uh, you know i go around the the whole country speaking and uh you know you know promoting my book and all these things like that and i end up going in all sorts of small places and big places here i'm trying to find that that logo while we're talking i'm not going to find it because i'm so focused on alex look for the page on negative space logos um it's it'll be four logos uh side by side it's just ne negative space um anyhow so he's like man i went for the, I, I was in i was in south dakota in the black hills and uh there was this delicious smelling pizza truck and i went and got a slice and when i looked at the logo i was like wow and and i asked he goes and i asked them i said i said who did that logo it's amazing and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, this guy from Minneapolis, Alan Peters. And he's like, I know that guy. <laughs> and he's like, hey, he goes, he goes, I just want to tell you, Alan, in front of all these people. He goes, that day you taught Aaron Draplin something. And I love that logo. And that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever got. I love Aaron Draplin and uh, big fan. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the one of the ones that stands out there's a couple other ones there's a north stars one i did that, that yeah i love that one people can really I, love alan before we move off the pizza logo can i add another compliment to your uh compliment oh. uh sort of story kevin um so we're talking yesterday obviously uh talking about you in this interview and talking about uh <clears throat> you know questions we're gonna ask you and uh i said uh to kevin kevin uh can back me up here i said uh look i said what my favorite logo that alan has ever made I said, it's a pizza logo. See if it's in there. See if it's in the book. And Kevin was looking through and he's like, oh, there's the logo that you look at. I said, that's my favorite thing that Alan's ever made. I was like, I love it so much. It's on page 53. Okay. And uh, 
for those uh, that want to see it. And um, uh, it's it's funny. Yeah, it was saying yesterday that of, of uh, all your incredible work, that is the thing that to me that really stands out. Uh, or just like, again, just a personal favorite. So genius, so incredible. Um, last year, maybe two years, I'm not going to give out all the details, but we were approached by a big giant pizza chain. And uh, they have fire uh, in their brand. And uh, we did not get the job. But the entire time that I was thinking about this project, I was in my head going, there's no way we're going to make something <laughs> better than Alan made for that pizza truck. And in my head, I was like, well, maybe if we get this job, I hope that pizza truck is, uh, you know, maybe they are out of business and I can reach out to Alan <laughs> and ask him to uh, collaborate with us. Or like legitimately, that was my thought process because I was like, he's created the world's greatest pizza fire mark. There's only one thing we could do, which is try to license it, which is, again, nothing I've ever even considered in my entire career of design. And that is the highest compliment I can give you. And I wonder <laughs> how many people have reached out to you about that logo or ripped the logo off or just like, you know, because it's so brilliant and so simple. And it's, uh, you know, again, it's just stuck here in my brain. I can't even think about pizza or doing pizza branding without thinking about that logo. The logos that have been ripped off the most, because I get stuff ripped off all the time. Um, yeah. uh, this logo has been ripped off a ton of times. And there will be people that uh, that that take it, outline mm. it, and then put it on like Getty images and sell it. And I have to like go and like <laughs> seek it out and take it down. And I'm like, stop it. Stop yeah. doing that. Like, so that one, um, both the uh, the Minnesota cities I had designed, uh, the logos for City Egan that I live in and City of Shoreview, those like there's a there's a hotel chain that ripped off Shoreview that's that has is running commercials in the Middle East, I think, or they're somewhere in Europe, Europe area over there. Um, and people keep telling me about they're like, oh, I keep so I get DMs all the time about this this hotel chain that runs commercials with the Shoreview logo that they stole. And Shoreview does, I don't think they, I don't know if they don't care or what, or they just over, they're like, <laughs> but and then a city of Egan, there, um, that that logo has been taken a ton of times, and like in Brazil, I, I've had a lot of people rip off my logos in Brazil wow. uh, for like a like big company stole it, and they went after them, um. And it, the other one was, um, gosh, what was it? Um, the Loving All Peoples logo, which is one of the ones at the way end of this. It's, it has three hearts. And I literally sketched this logo out mm. over the phone on, on, the, on the pitch call with the, or the, the original call with the clients. That wasn't a pitch. He's, he's, the guy runs a ministry and he's just like a, like a couple man show. You know, he's like, it's not like a big deal. Um, but he said he had this this idea and it's going to be loving all peoples and i was like oh you know you could be loving you know heart and, I was, and i'm like oh you could just rotate that and make it lap you know <laughs> loving all people like well, let's go really um, <laughs> there is a dating show in brazil a huge <laughs> one and they rotated one of those i think one other way made him into neon colors and then it came out afterwards and there were a bunch of news uh, reports and stuff in Brazil, all, you know, that I can't, like, I'd have to have translated of people saying how they ripped off, they ripped off uh, United States designer, Alan Peters. <laughs> <laughs> Loving all Brazilians. That's it. I said it, the, well, yeah, I said yeah. it to him because he's like, he's like uh, one of those like uh, home church churches, you know, like where they like, they don't have a, a giant place. And, and so I just, I like, I did it. I don't know. 
I don't know if I got paid for that one. Maybe <laughs> I, I just done it for him for the heck of it. Yeah. Uh, Certainly not enough money to hire a, a lawyer. Little bit, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he, I sent those to him, and he was like, "Is this real? Are people like are <laughs> is this a real thing? That's a giant dating show in Brazil and stole our logo." I don't know. It happens. But yeah, yeah, you can't no. get too stressed about it. You know, like if it's a big brand, they're not going to mess with that. Like when I do stuff for like Blue Cross Blue Shield or for, um, I don't know, Disney or whatever. Nobody ever messes with that work. It's always the small brands that no. that they're like, yeah, we can get this and just and just lift it. I hope the pizza truck is still doing well. I actually don't wish bad upon the pizza truck. I just, uh, they have the greatest pizza logo of all time. And uh, it's, it's incredible. And uh, luckily uh, we didn't get that project. So I didn't have to, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, create a different one or reach out to you and say, because I was, well, I would, I would have given honestly, you a contact info. I bet you, I bet you if, if you guys would have given them like, a chunk of like a what you guys are making, like a percentage, like maybe even like like forty percent of what you guys were bringing in for that logo. Oh, yeah. He would have been like, "It's Let's all yours. It. I'll just I'll have another one made." No, I'll have it's, something it's, else. It, it's so iconic, and you know, again, like obviously, I you know see so much design, and there's so many brands and so many logos out there, and it's just like you're right. Like there are like it is a logo that lasts in my head, and it's just because I always think about it, and it's just so simple and so beautiful, and yeah, so much of your mark making is just. So like what I love about it is, is the, like you said, is the, the simplicity and the storytelling that comes with it. It's like, it's, they're very, you know, uh, simple ideas that you just, you know, it's, it's crafted so, so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, we posted something on our Instagram pe- yesterday about the chilies, Mark, how the, um, <clears throat> the pepper has an apostrophe for the S and like, oh, yeah. you know, it's just like those little things and those little moments of, you know, just genius that like, only, you know, again, like it takes so, so many years to have that skill that you have, which is to sort of notice that a heart could be turned a couple different ways and be just a, you know, an iconic mark or, you know, taking, a, you know, a bike and a heart or finding these sort of intersections of sort of putting ideas together. And I think that's what makes uh, some really memorable and really iconic stuff. So, um, you got your work cut out for you to to, to write the second book. You got to go design like a hundred more logos, I think, Alan. No, you know, that's the that's the challenge. I think it would be it would be a little bit different. Like if if I write a second book, it would either be God. There's a couple of them I'd love to write. I I I would love to write one that was you know I love digging for antiques and and finding badges and crests and stuff like that. Um, one of the cool things I found was that uh, as I started traveling around and speaking, is that when you go to different cities and different places and different regions, because it's before Amazon and and everybody was buying stuff that was made where they lived. <laughs> um, the design tends to be regional, very regional back then. And instead of everybody having the same Patagonia coat, you know, there was, you know, it, this product was made here and they bought it here and this product was made here and they bought it here. And, and it was, uh, it was very much separated. So when, when you go to start digging around for that stuff, you find all sorts of new things. Like if I looked in Maine and then I looked down in Arizona, I'm going to find a whole bunch of different types of, uh, you know, packaging and stuff like that. And so I thought it'd be really cool to do a book that's regional based on uh, based on that. And here's the best part. Take like, like three to six months off, drive around the country Let's with go, the family, yeah. and mm-hmm. then document it all and talk about like the t- journey of, of finding all this stuff and all the funny little like goofy places that you'd have to have to go in to find this stuff, the little small town museums and stuff. I think that would be a cool book. That's that's one of the ones I'd love to write. I, I can I put it in here in, in the in the and at the end, kind of putting it out into the universe. 
I'd yeah. like to write that book. You know, if you're a publisher and you want to make that one, <laughs> hear me out. I think we're thinking too small with book. I'm thinking like a, Netflix show. I'm yeah. I'm thinking TV show. Ooh. Yeah. Kevin and, I, Kevin and I, we have a joint content brands. Uh, yeah, no, Alan hits the road, junk in, looking at, uh, you know, kind of you know, looking for logos in, in, yeah. in the, you know, in, in the great America. I'd, I'd watch a show. Do you have any favorite regions or towns like that mm. you go badge hunting or thrifting or antiquing in? You know, it, my, my, my theory for that is just to try and usually go off the beaten path, go to the mm-hmm. smaller towns. Uh, like if, I'm trying to like when I went down to Houston to speak, uh, this is like guys probably eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, I had gone down there and I had asked them, I was like, Hey, when, when I'm down here, you know, we're gonna have an extra day or two. Uh, do, can you guys like take me some antique stores? Can we go like digging around? Like, are, is there anything nearby? And instead of they're like, there's not a whole lot here in Houston, even though it's the fourth biggest city. And I think it's the fourth biggest city in, in the, in the country. Uh but we drove down to Galveston, which which is right on on the coast there. So you know, it, it took a half an hour, forty five minutes to get down there. But um, really cool, you know, like just tons of really unpicked through antiques there. You can find the older stuff. The thing is, you go to a lot of antique stores now, and it's getting to the point where it's like, hey, it's Ninja Turtles, and it's all the stuff we grew up with, you know, Transformers. <laughs> oh and God. Like and you're not finding it's not the stuff from the 50s and 60s anymore. It's like lunch boxes with uh, Smurfs on them and stuff like that, which I I love 80s memorabilia and stuff like that. I think that's cool, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not I'm not trying to like get inspired by a big Smurf. Man, I want to I want to. <laughs> Makes you feel real old when you go uh, antiquing and you find your own childhood uh, memories there. You know, yeah, dude, we're old. It's a dark dark day. You know, but it's. Uh... <laughs> It's sad that, but it's true. That's where we're at. Uh, before we get out of here, Alan, I um, I, I would re- remiss if I didn't tell another story about you, which is, um, is maybe a personal story if you're okay with going there for a second. Yeah, sure. I, I, um, you and I were at AIGA Design Camp, uh, which is another Minneapolis uh, sort of event that um is incredible honestly one of the best design conferences that i've ever spoken at it's like a retreat and it's uh in the wilderness uh kevin you'd love it it's uh you know people wearing flannel touching grass and uh you know wow. talking about design beautiful. it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing and um you know i've seen maybe uh, maybe one of the first times i've seen you do a live talk or just doing a conference talk and yeah and of course, I was familiar, you know, we've been friends and uh, we met like uh, about 10 years ago and mm-hmm. you know, have this shared in-house uh, sort of love and sort of experience and, and and knowledge and, you know, so much of our of our paths, you know, they've crossed many times. And so I'm watching your talk and you're showing all your incredible work and showing your process and showing all the things that you do. And um, <clears throat> and I'm loving it. Right. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. Alan is so fucking good. He's so talented. And then the whole talk takes a uh, turn in the middle and you tell a story about uh, when you got shot and uh, this, talk about things that have uh, stuck with me. Um, I, I, I think it it really was. Um, yeah. It's just one of those stories that just honestly uh, changed my perception of life. And uh, ch- again, it just, it, it changed my perception of you and uh, you know, in, 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 I just again, I, it's just one of those things that just really, um, yeah, I didn't know, and I was really kind of, uh, yeah, it's a, it's 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 a shocking story, but a, a beautiful story, and so I'd be curious if you don't mind, just kind of 
telling us if you're if you're not comfortable with it that's also fine too uh, no. you can play the fifth here and uh run away and we can you know uh, i i love telling this story as, as a christian guy you know it, it, it's it's my testimony too so i i i, I had wanted to like like have it near the front of my book and like talk, talk about that and uh my publisher was like he's like it's a logo book you're talking about logos that's you know that is like it maybe yeah. maybe maybe not you know maybe like pull it back a little bit i think i originally wrote it it was like force press or something i was just like went all in you know yeah yeah and i thought about it a little bit more and i'm like yeah you know i really want to tie everything in my book back to um back to designing logos to make sure it was valuable and things like that. I do talk about it in the book. Um, but I talk, you know, I, I really try and, and pull it back into like the, the, how it relates back to the work. And so I, I'll talk, I'll talk to that for a minute. So back in 2009, when I was working in advertising and working like, uh, you know, 60, 65 hour weeks and a lot of weekends and it, uh, it was my wife's birthday and, uh, we were, we were celebrating her 26th birthday. I was, uh, that would make me 29 or yeah, yeah 2009, 29 years old. And she was turning 26. She was a young man. And, uh, it, we had a big party and we had just moved into a new house. And so it was kind of, uh, like a housewarming party too. So I got to see everybody that we knew completely and like friends I hadn't seen forever family we had relatives up from like southern Minnesota and stuff like that there were so many people that came by and uh it, it was like all the people that would be at your funeral <laughs> or whatever you know it's like they were all there and so I, I got to see everybody in my entire life you know right right on this beautiful day celebrating my wife and then the other thing about uh, that that time is, you know, we were talking earlier about kids and uh, I always wanted to, you know, at first, you know, basically leaving up to my wife, I was like, if you want to have them, we can do it if you don't. And she had just made that decision that she wanted to have kids. And so we we were trying to have our first kid at the time, too. We were trying to have, uh, you know, a, a child. And, and um, it was about the time of the month where it was like, okay, I mean, you know, or we could probably take the test now, find out if you're pregnant. I would like, I was bugging her all day long. I was like, come on, let's, let's do it. Moran. She's like, Alan, you're probably two weeks off before it will be even kind of accurate because, you know, like if you take the test way too early, it's like, <laughs> it's like 5% accuracy or something like that. And so I'd been bugging her about it all the, that whole day. And after everybody had left and there were only a couple people left, it was us and another couple. Um, and, and I, I won't get to like the labors. I, I don't, I don't want it to be like, you know, the, the longest podcast of all time, but, uh, it, it was probably around midnight, one in the morning, something like that. And we're having a fire out back in our, in our target purchased fire bowl, you know, like one of those like little copper bowl things that you can buy and, um, uh, just relaxing under the stars and, and just kind of everybody was gone and could kind of relax finally. And, uh, some, some kids came to our yard and they're all dressed up with ski masks and everything. And probably I'm guessing teenagers, like late teenagers, 18, 19, maybe, you know, they're young and, uh, they, they walked in our yard and I went to like, like, Hey, you know, walk around, you know, cause kids would cut through our yard sometimes. Cause we we're one of the only houses on the block that didn't have a fence. And, and I'd be like, Hey, stay off my lawn. You know, I was, I was like that dude. And so I, <laughs> I went to go 
confront these kids and they pull a gun out and they're just like sit back down you know like you know they have you ever see that movie date night and uh they have a it's with steve corral and the guy pulls a gun on it and then all of a sudden he, he turns the gun sideways and steve corral's like oh no he's got it in kill mode or something like that because he has the gun sideways <laughs> so these guys have they're, they're like sit back down and uh and i it was it was like a really weird uncomfortable situation not really knowing like it almost seemed weird like because they had like the the ski mask on gloves and stuff and it looked like some like weird thing out of like some movie like juice or something like that you know that tupac movie juice um it's just like it didn't it didn't seem it didn't seem like it should even be happening but anyhow they um they're grabbing at our pockets, looking for money. They wanted money, and they're just, you know, screaming at us. And uh, uh, Maria calls into the house to the of the couple. The other guy was inside, and it's like, hey, Ben, call the police. We're being robbed. Don't come to the window. Ben comes to the window because, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. I mean, I, I probably would have done the same thing. Comes to the window. It's like, pulls his pockets. That doesn't have anything. They're pissed now because Maria already Maria told him to call the police. And they put the gun right to her head and it's, it's her birthday. And, uh, uh, she's probably pregnant. And I, number one, if I didn't do anything at that point, I never would have lived that down. But <laughs> my wife would have, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I got I got to do something about it in my head. I'm like, I have to handle this situation. And I just attacked the guy closest to me, just just punched him as hard as I could. He flew back and I turned to the guy with the gun and uh, like like I was just going to go after him. And and the guy with the gun points, bam, shoots me right between the ribs and the bullets still in me. I could feel it. It's, it's right in here. They didn't take it out. I've traveled horizontally through my entire uh, flank and it didn't hit a lung. Thank God. But it hit. uh uh, gallbladder, uh, liver, um, large and small intestines, two major arteries. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was shot, man. And, and, and I looked at the guy with the gun and I was so like the adrenaline was rushing through me and, and I didn't, I like looked down and I was wearing a shirt really similar to this one where it's like a little stretch here and I didn't see a bullet hole or anything i saw like the burst when the gun shot but it wasn't you know in like movies like rambo or something they shoot a gun and it's like it's like flame shooting everywhere and it's like giant explosions and stuff it wasn't like that you know this is probably this is like a smaller gun and just you know it's and you know it just it made a spark and like it it hit me and i turned and i just i just rushed the guy with the gun just screaming at them to get the hell out of my yard and and i chased them for about half a block before i realized i was dying you know, bleeding to death and stumbled back to my yard. And, and my wife saved my life that day. She, she, a lot of people will freeze up in those type of situations, just like stare and not know what to do. She immediately, she's like, lay down, Alan. She put pressure on the wound. She's like, Jennifer, you call the police or, or, you know, the ambulance and stuff like that. And Ben, you get towels right now. And she was just like <clears throat> on it. And she's always like that. My wife is a badass. And <laughs> and they got there quick, uh, got me in the ambulance, took me downtown. And um, uh, I'm telling you, when I was laying there on the ground, 
there was a lot of things coming out of my mouth that I, that can't be said on this podcast because it would you couldn't air it because that was, <laughs> it was the most pain I've ever felt in my entire life. But at the same time, I I was ready ready to go. I thought I was dead completely. I I I didn't didn't see making it through that. I I, I and I made my peace. And when you're a kid, man, I, I remember sitting laying in bed, actually being scared and having a hard time falling asleep, thinking, "Gosh, I'm gonna die one day. It's all gonna be over. I'm gonna be dead, and there's gonna be nothing else after that." And just laying there with my eyes open, freaked out, you know, um, when I was like six years old. And so here I was, and I wasn't scared. I, I was like at peace with it. I was like, okay, you know, I made my peace with God at that moment. And I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm I'm ready to leave this place. And it didn't happen that night. I, I didn't die. Uh, I got to the hospital and they, they stitched and stapled me up and it took two days, two days. They had me cut open from uh, the, the base, like up base of my sternum all the way down to like right below my belt line there. And around around my belly button, had the whole thing open, and just worked on me nonstop. I remember right before I went down, uh, I asked the doctors. I was just like, see, I remember looking up at him, and I, I, I just said, please, please save my life. And he's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. And they took me to HCMC, which is like the, the place downtown Minneapolis where like all the like, the people who are like the, the in like they're like trying to steal crack from somebody and they get shot. That's where they take them. You know, they deal with gunshots and stuff like that all the time. And so they kept all the nurses and stuff assumed I was like some crazy crack addict or something <laughs> like while I was there. Well, and then they were like, Oh no, it's just like a regular guy. It's just like a regular guy who got shot in his backyard. Um, but Gra- graphic yeah. designer. Yeah. But it was, it was cool when I, when I came to uh, it, it, like, obviously i came to and i was like on all sorts of like heroin level drugs and stuff all the stuff that they they have you on when when you're shot but um when when they like all that state like when it kind of dosed me down to something where i could actually um function in in my brain (laughs) more so uh my wife took a pregnancy test and we found out we were pregnant with matthew which is amazing and uh the best part about that is something like this like you hear people uh, who came back from the war and they tell war and they, and they're changed after that sometimes and they can't get back. They can't get back in into life. They can't uh, like basically re-engage and it, it can, it can break people really badly um, going through a traumatic experience. For me, I found this as uh, an opportunity to um, well, I learned that day, knowing that like I thought my life was over, that every day after that feels like a gift. And I feel like like you can go at any any time. And I know you people say it all the time, you could die any day, you know, just like you know, live life to the fullest. But I literally <laughs> literally <laughs> came this close to dying. I lost over half the blood in my body. And uh if the bullet would have hit one of those ribs, it would exploded like a grenade and I'd be dead. If that if I hadn't been running like six miles a couple of days a week, I would have bled to death because I wouldn't have been healthy enough. And if my wife wouldn't have been on it like she was, I would be a dead man. There's so many reasons. Why didn't they turn around and shoot me again with that gun? Uh, they never found a bullet casing, which means that gun jammed. Um, there's a lot of reasons I should be dead right now. And I feel like the Lord kept me here to be here for my family. And also, man, I feel like uh, it taught me a huge lesson about how short life is 
and that you got to be fearless. You got to be fearless. So much good design and advertising is fear-based and, and the person who's the, the head guys or head, head lady is so scared of uh, what, what their customer is going to think of this. And uh, the creative director is worried about what the CEO is going to think. And the ACD is worried about what the CD is going to think. And the designer is worried about what the ACD is going to think. And they're all scared and they're all creating a little bit more lukewarm work because of it. And, man, I say just go for it. Like that flag thing, man, I just, I, I don't care if somebody tells me that. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't do free work because AIJ says, man, I want to design our state flag. I think that would be amazing. You know, and I'm just going to go for it, man. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be scared about it. If we want to start our own agency, we're going to do that. If I want to write a darn book, we're going to go for it. And I, I learned that you just, you get, the life is short, go and get it done. So that's, that's my takeaway from, from almost dying. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank, thank you so, so, so much for, for telling that story. It is, yeah, no um, problem. you know, uh, I'm speechless. Like, uh, and I heard the story before, you know, and I think, um, and it's, 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 it's a, it's a wild story, but it's, it's, it's an important story. And thank you for, yeah. again, for telling it on our show. And it, it just, yeah. it, it puts so much in perspective and it really does. We are, uh, so lucky all of us to do this, uh, for a living. And it, I was saying, you know, said on a call earlier today, it's a, it's a privilege really it is. And, uh, we should all, um, you know, approach uh, life like that, you know, and you never know. And, um, and, and yeah, I've, 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 I've thought about that story, you know, ever since that, that, that conference and just, yeah, really, it kind of uh, puts uh, so much, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a beautiful story in the end. And, um, and I, again, I just did admire you, uh, I have for many years and, uh, the work that you do is incredible and, uh. Yeah, thank you for 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 joining our show, and thank you for uh, doing all the work that you do and uh, putting it all into this book, Logos That Last, available now. And uh, yeah, continuing to sort of uh, help other people because I think that's you know the thing that <clears throat> we we all can do, right? It's uh, yeah. you know it's not just to do it for ourselves so that we can you know kind of. Uh, drive sports cars and uh you know sort of uh wear uh expensive jewelry you know that's yeah. uh that's not uh you know it, it's important about helping other people and you can do that in so many different ways and i think your story is you know by telling it i think and not like you said you could run away from it or not uh, i think you know telling it and sort of uh is 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 so important so thank you for doing it yeah thank you incredibly powerful yeah um and I think then actually a great way to end the show too, honestly, it's a, you know, it's a, I don't know where we uh, could possibly go from here, but Alan, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're a great guy. Where can people uh, follow you if they're, uh, if they're, they want to see some of your amazing work and, uh, you know, follow along on your journey as you post every single day, which I'm actually <laughs> incredibly impressed by because uh, social media, you know, it's, it's, you make it look easy, but it's a lot of work. I know to post every single day. Uh, it's 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 fatiguing and tough, yeah, but important. Oh. It's helped build your business and brand and and everything. So it's also another important thing. Don't be afraid to put post your stuff out there. Put it online. Absolutely. Hey, th thanks for having me. Love your work. You know the work you guys are doing at Center is is amazing. Uh, I, obviously the the, the awards they they 
<laughs> they tell the story right there. But even without a man, like the, the first time you showed that United Soto's work, holy cow, man. I I I was like, oh, these guys are gonna be huge. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. th- where can you find me? You can find me at Alan Peters, uh, so at then A-L-L-A-N-P-E-T-E-R-S. And that's all social media, pretty much everywhere. I'm not on TikTok. Um, somebody already else already has Alan Peters. So I'm like, screw that. Screw that TikTok. <laughs> um, uh. um, what else? Uh, our, our website is petersdesigncompany.com. And yeah, it'd be awesome if you came and visited and stopped by uh, or follow on Instagram. Man, I, I've been posting a lot on LinkedIn. That's where, that's where the clients are, dude. Post uh, on the LinkedIn, that's, man. That's, that's telling like, you guys. Well, LinkedIn is the underrated sort of, uh, you know, social media platform. Kevin is a big uh, kudos or it's his thing. He goes around giving out kudos. To I, I love the LinkedIn. automated responses. Yes, I do too. It's <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. I've, Hit me up. On Kevin, LinkedIn. yeah. Follow Kevin on LinkedIn. And, and I will give you a yeah, lot yeah. of that. We can have a whole <laughs> automated conversation. Right, I Kevin? have several automated That's... conversations going on in my messages right now. Nice. That have been like running for <laughs> years. I also uh, I notice a lot of uh, AI automated uh, comments are have happening. Uh, at least when I post, they'll be like, "Alex Center, you and your team do such great work combining the powers of branding and design with the uh, intention of strategy. Uh, keep doing a good job." I'm like. That is not a human that wrote that. Comment. It's not. <laughs> um, no, they have it built into the the posting now. I I, I posted something uh, yesterday, and it was like, "Would you want? Do you want to just put in some prompts and and we will write the post for you?" I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, LinkedIn, uh, back off. Um, <laughs> Alan, as you see, people are trying to join this uh, Zoom because uh, there there is a meeting that uh, they they are trying to attend. Uh, Alan, uh, let's. Uh, I'd love to hang. Uh, you know, our paths will cross again. But uh, thank yeah. you for for doing the pod. And uh, thank yeah, you. I'm gonna sing your praises and uh, uh, sort of uh, promote your book. Uh, Thanks, dude. It was my own. So thank you, Alan. Yeah, have, have a good Thanks, one. Alex. And uh, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll talk. Thank soon. you so much. Thanks, Kevin. They love the taste of blood. And I don't know what that means, but I know that I mean it. Maybe they're as evil as they seem Or maybe I only look out the window when it's scenic Atmosphere finally made a good record Yeah right, that shit almost sounds convincing The last time I felt as sick and contradictive as this Was the last time we played a show in Cincy Get real, they tell me If only they knew how real this life really gets They would stop acting like a silly bitch They would respect the cock Whether or not they believed in it Doesn't take much and that's messed up Because these people do a lot of simple shit to impress us While everyone was trying to outdo the last man I was just a ghost trying to catch some Miss Pac-Man Hello ma'am, would you be interested in some sexual positions and emotional investments? I'm not insane, in fact I'm kinda rational When I be asking, yo, where did all the passion go? East Coast West Coast, down south, Midwest. Nowadays, everybody knows how to get fresh. Somebody give me a big yes. God bless America, but she stole the beat from Bless. Now I'm too fucked up to dance, so I'ma sit with my hand on the front of my pants. You can't achieve your goals if you don't take that chance. So go pry open that trunk and get 
I'm trying to build a balance.